Yeah, we had a carpenter that had like his own little um, set of darts that he carried with him for after, which I thought was sort of funny. Oh, that's cool. Did he have them like on his tool belt? Um, yeah, he had a minute in the tool belt. And then like sometimes it would be like Tuesday and he'd be like, I, I don't know, I, I can't seem to get anything done. The plaster is not dry. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's time for the dart league. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is Behind the Lens, a podcast from the Lens, New Orleans' first nonprofit, nonpartisan public interest newsroom. I'm Carolyn Heldman. On this week's episode, this past June, 18-year-old Calvin Keynes III was shot dead by Jefferson Parish Sheriff's deputies in front of his mother, a veteran of that same office. His mother, Mallory Keynes, says that the deputies did not announce themselves nor give Calvin a chance to surrender before opening fire. They were wearing body cams and the battle for that footage has begun. That story, insight and analysis coming up on Behind the Lens. Joining us this week, criminal justice reporter, Nick Crastle. Hey, Nick. Hey, Carolyn. Education reporter, Marta Juicen's here. Hi, Marta. Hi, Carolyn. Photojournalist, LaChance Perry. Hi, LaChance. Hi, Carolyn. And managing editor, Katie Rechtal. Hey, Katie. Hey, everybody. Katie, can you remind us of the events uh, that led to Calvin Keynes III being uh, shot in June of 2023? I mean, the official account is that there was a stakeout of sorts that was outside his mom's apartment in Metairie, Louisiana, which is suburban New Orleans. And there was a stakeout. Calvin walked out of his mom's apartment a little before the stakeout was ready, as I understand it. This is just sort of what, as I understand it. And they carried out what, what they usually do in a stakeout. He got into the car. Two trucks came at the car in order to block it in. And then something went wrong. And I'm not sure exactly what went wrong. And because we haven't seen the body cam, we don't really know what went wrong. But something clearly went wrong. And that somebody shot Calvin Keynes through the windshield. And so that we've been trying to puzzle that out since June 6th. Okay. His mother was there. She was returning home at the time. She was returning home. She was returning home and, and she was stopped by a deputy as she drove in. So clearly like the apartment managers or something had alerted them to what her car looked like. She was stopped by um, a deputy and somehow they didn't understand that she had been, she had worked for a sheriff's department. She's worked for sheriff's departments for 17 years, both in Orleans and in Jefferson Parish. And so she she was somebody who would have been really easy to talk to about this situation, I think. She stopped a, her. Yeah. She she was never a peace officer. She was never an officer. She was in administration, but she but she really clearly familiar with all the ins and outs of, of an arrest that's going to be made. Right. And okay. She when she arrived, they stopped her. That was all prior though to the shots, which she heard. She heard the gunshots. Yeah, prior, but barely prior. I mean, they stopped her. They um, they said it was about her son, Trey. Have you seen him? And at that moment, she saw him walking out of her apartment building, which is seriously when LaChance and I walked that lot to just see how far she was away from what happened. She was what, 
less than 200 feet away, huh, Shans? So they stopped her so close. She was like a building or two away from getting home, right? So a deputy stops her and says, we're looking for Trey. She sees Trey, her, who's who, that's the nickname for Kelvin. She sees him come out of the apartment building talking on FaceTime at that moment. So it was very, there's very little time elapsed between when she drove in and when the everything flew into order, you know, or disorder. And then I remember, Katie, when we talked about this event right after it happened, you recalled that in her Mallory Kane's experience, she heard shots and then was put into a a sheriff's deputy's car a police vehicle and was told to call trey's cell phone right 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 she what the weird thing is like you can either think that they didn't know that he was dead or that they knew he was dead but didn't want to admit it i don't know either one I mean, Shance, do you weigh in? What's your, what's your take on that? Like, because Shance and I have been reporting this together, so I feel like we've sat at this table with Mallory Keynes for a while, you know? Yeah, so like Katie said, they definitely put Mallory in the back of the vehicle um, after the gunshots rang out. They were telling her, if when as she recalled to us, that she was told to call him, text him, to ask him to surrender himself, which for her, that didn't make sense because like she had already stated, she had heard gunshots prior to that. So as this is all happening, she's also asking, is he okay? Is he okay? So she's also wanting confirmation if that was actually gunshots that she heard, which she told us they did confirm well, they didn't confirm that there were gunshots. They were trying to say that they those weren't gunshots, even though she is a law enforcement officer who's worked in this for 17 years, who would know how gunshots sound. So there was just a lot of discrepancies within the reports that were released and with Mallory Keynes as well as Haley Martin. So there's a lot of discrepancies between the official reports and what uh, Mallory Kane and Haley Martin has told us. And that's what raises a lot of flags for me. One of the questions that uh, Katie and I constantly talked about is if Mallory has this law enforcement background, why would you not use her? You know, uh, brief her on a situation a little bit, see if she's complying, because from my understanding, she is complying with them at this point to aid in getting him safely arrested. It just seemed none of those precautions were taken. And I do think that's peculiar because like we've stated before, she's a law enforcement officer. She's worked in this industry. So within this family, you already get a sense of trust with law enforcement, especially from Mallory Keynes prior to this situation. That for me, I think is very peculiar because in most black families in black culture, there's not a good level of trust with law enforcement. Right. So yeah, that's interesting that, you know, in their family, there seemed to be a certain level of trust prior to this incident even occurring and then how that has changed after that. Well, that's weird because she sat in the car for like two hours or something after the gunshots. And at first when she told me that, I was like, what? Like, what? 
like because you heard gunshots, your son's over there. The, it, I was trying to understand. But then when she told me she'd worked in a sheriff's office, then I was like, oh, so when people told you he's okay, I promise he's okay. She said, I believed it because it was law enforcement because she's law enforcement. So she believed it for that reason. So she was being assured that that she was being urged to call him, number one. Number two, she was being assured that he that there were, had been no he wasn't injured in any way. So there were no other shots fired two hours later, right? She heard nothing else. She heard nothing else. And she was right there in the same place. And gunshots are really loud. I mean, I always forget how loud they are until I'm close to them. So, I mean, she, like Lachance said, she was a law enforcement officer. So she knows exactly what gunshots sound like. She didn't heard nothing else. Okay. The uh, peculiar thing that Mallory recalls is as they're also telling her to call Trey, call your son, tell him right. to come out, all of this, she sees them assembling their SWAT gear. She's watching them assemble and put this stuff on, and then she watches them break the back window of his vehicle and throw green smoke, which she believes is some sort of smoke grenade, something to debilitate him or just incapacitate him in some sort of way, which once again for her doesn't make any sense because why are you doing all of this if gunshots were the initial thing that happened? Why are you telling me to contact him? And also why are you throwing this smoke into his car, busting out his back window? It just is very peculiar sequence of events. It's like everything happened backwards instead of that's exactly yeah. right that's exactly right so let's let's pause here for a minute because i think everything presumably could be explained if we were able to access video of what was going on from the very beginning and body cam footage they were wearing officers who were responding to this were wearing body cams so nick Let's have you come in now and talk about, does, does everybody wear body cam these days at, at JPSO, number one? And number two, at what stage does that, does that footage get released to the public? What do you have to do to see it? Well, that's a, a disputed question. Um, so JPSO does wear body cam, but that's a recent development um, for you know, a long time when other departments were uh, sort of deciding to to have all their officers wear body cameras, JPSO, you know, refused despite a lot of controversy around um, in custody deaths and and shootings like like you know similar to the one with Calvin Keynes. Um, but finally, last year they agreed to um, start having all their officers wear body cameras. So now um, they are, and and they were during this incident. In terms of who gets to see it, it, you know, in terms of proactively releasing it, that's really up to each police department. Um, the New Orleans Police Department tends to release body camera footage pretty quickly after these sorts of incidents take place. They have a policy that sort of to increase transparency and to, you know, um, try and be as open as they can with the public that 
you know, they review it and they have some layers of review, but their kind of general policy is to is to release it as soon as they can. Um, JPSO, obviously, in this case, has decided not to. Um, and so what, what we saw is Mallory Keynes filed a, a public records lawsuit claiming that these this body camera footage should be accessible to her under Louisiana public records law that generally would generally body camera footage is a public record but there are some exemptions um and so when she filed this request jpso came back and said this is an active investigation they cited a portion of public records law that exempts um among other things records that are related to reasonably anticipated criminal litigation um, in her lawsuit, she disputes this. She says, you know, what reasonably anticipated criminal litigation is there? It's not against Calvin Keynes because Calvin Keynes is now dead. Um, so kind of what, you know, what are you referring to here? And, you know, what kind of the implication has been is that there could be, uh, you know, charges brought against an officer, um, whether or not there's no real evidence that that's necessarily going to happen. Um, but when there was a, there was a hearing on this lawsuit, uh, you know, earlier this week and the sheriff's office informed her lawyer that they had turned over their investigation to the DA's office. This does not mean that they've referred charges against the officers to the DA's office. In fact, it seems like they probably have not, but apparently that was sort of, you know, sufficient kind of my read of it was that it was a sufficient enough step to kind of solidify this exemption that it might be reasonably anticipated litigation and her lawyer um, decided to to withdraw the, the case. So, but isn't she pursuing another route to achieve the sim a similar result, I suppose? Yeah, what her lawyer said is that they're going to be filing a wrongful death and civil rights suit um, against the sheriff's office and that they would likely be able to see the body camera footage uh, through kind of the course of that litigation through discovery. Um, but kind of a time frame on that is is unclear. You know, and it, her lawyer said, we've offered to JPSO, like, can can Mallory and I just come to your office and view the footage? You don't need to release it publicly, but you know, this is the mother of the of the person who was killed and mm. she, she has a right to see it, even if you don't believe that this should be made public right now. Um, and, you know, the sheriff's office denied those requests, too. You're listening to Behind the Lens. I'm Carolyn Heldman. My guests this week are criminal justice reporter Nick Crastle, education reporter Marta Jusen, photojournalist LaChance Perry, and managing editor Katie Rechtal. Hi, I'm Madeline Arufo, and I'm a freelance reporter for The Lens. When you listen to this podcast or read a story at our website, you join in on the process of examining life and culture in a way that makes us all better citizens and better people. With more and more noise and information coming at us every day, it's important to have a place you can rely on for truth and balance. Please make a tax-deductible donation to support our work at our website, thelensnola.org donate. And thank you. Is this at all, am I am I naive to think that the the maneuvers that the JPSO that they're making right now with this um decision, is this a tacit admission of some sort of wrongdoing? 
Or is that naive? I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure they wouldn't wouldn't cop to that. <laughs> On the other hand, you know, we have seen them release body camera footage of officer-involved shootings um, in incidents where it does seem like they believe the that the body camera footage, you know, justified the shooting. Mm. Um, so I don't know what what to you know. It's really hard to to speculate when you haven't seen the actual footage what yeah. Jay reasoning is for for any of this. But you know, there there's a reason that other departments have other policies around the release of this stuff, and it's to kind of you know so people won't raise these questions and won't, you know, assume that, that they're hiding something. Um, and, you know, that's sort of, that's one of the reasons to have body cameras in the first place is to increase a level of trust and transparency. And that sort of, you know, trust is clearly not being built between, you know, Mallory Keynes and, and the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office, or, or, you know, I think many other people who are kind of watching this play out. You know, I want to mention one thing too, like, Nick, I mean, I, I guess I haven't asked you about this, but I mean, only of that whole crew of guys under which were they were plainclothes guys in unmarked cars, by the way. And that's often the way that JPSO goes when they do does this when goes when they do this kind of task force, um, which makes people, you know, nervous when you have unmarked cars and no announcement they made no announcement like jpso put your hands up or anything like that so that lack of official presence is hard for when you're somebody like calvin Keynes in the car but i think also they only had as far as we know we've heard of two body cams right so they had so not everybody was wearing body cam, even though that was clearly a group of guys, right? I mean, the video that we've seen. So I don't know what the rules are about body cam. Like, does every officer that's at a scene have to have body cam, or is it just like one? You know, you wear body cam today, and I'll wear it tomorrow. How how does it work? I don't even know. That's a good question. I don't know what JPSO's policy is. I mean, I know that they are now having officers, more officers, wear body cam, whether or not. Each individual officer is always, you know, wearing it, and when when they're always on. I actually haven't seen their their official policy, so um, it's a good question, though. Can I go back to when we initially talked about this incident? I don't remember if it was speculation or if this was the um, justification that JPSO was saying at the moment, at the time that. Um, the car was being used as a deadly weapon and that was the justification for the response. Was that, is that my memory? Is that those are historically what the justification is or did they say that about this incident? Yeah, I mean, they, that's what they said is they, in the report to Nick that we just got, that's what it says that the there's a guy on foot, right? That's walking toward the car and that guy fires. As I recall, that's what it says in the report we got, right? The incident report. It seems implausible given the placement of the cars. And also as a reporter who's not young, you know, I can tell you that I've reported on when we hear about shootings from Jefferson Parish, I just got... I thought again, like it happens all the time. That's their go-to excuse. It's unbelievable how many times it's the used as the reason why police Jefferson Parish deputies shoot at cars. Period. 
And Trey was not armed? Not as far as we know. They didn't find, I don't think they found a gun. We haven't heard of anything. I mean, one interesting thing that I think sort of signals maybe that maybe how little we know about all of what happened is, you know, on, on the one hand, you have the deputies kind of having Mallory Keynes in their car and telling her to call and, and text Trey and, you know, the them going into the back seat. Um, and it kind of feels like they're trying to manufacture a different narrative from what happened. Like he was killed later on, um, not at not during the initial gunshots. But on the other hand, what JPSO said, and, you know, right after the incident is he tried to ram us with this car and, and we shot him, which does suggest that they acknowledge that they shot him, you know, in pretty quick fashion, not, you know, an hour later or, or even 20 minutes later. Um, so I, I, I don't know how to sort of resolve those things um, in my right, mind. Because Yeah. Let me, let me interrupt here because you have to then throw in the whole, um, the task force, you know, the SWAT team moving in and the bashing in of the, of the back window and the green smoke or whatever, you know, the bomb smoke thing, whatever they threw into the car, all that is, I think we can, pretty well state with near certainty that he was dead by then he had been shot dead by then yeah it certainly you know seems that way based on on what we know um but you know like it i don't know if if they maybe felt like they weren't sure or needed to take more precautions or you know or maybe there was something more nefarious it, it's just I think it's really, really hard to tell without having more information. And, you know, the the one incident we report we do have um, is laughably sparse. It is, you know, maybe eight sentences long. And this was produced over a month after he was killed. Um, so, you know, just in terms of, of kind of the amount of information we have, not even through lacking the body camera footage, but in terms of their own reporting on it. It's just, we don't know anything. Um, and, you know, you don't want to necessarily say that that means that what they're leaving out is is something, you know, nefarious or or that, that it's um, hiding something necessarily, but it certainly doesn't give us a lot of information to, to work with to kind of determine whether or not this was a justified use of force. Mm -hmm. I think it just sows more distrust in the community too, right? Like we're we're looking for answers. Trace family is looking for answers, and you know when you're when you don't release real records like this, that can give people more information. It just builds anticipation, and I you know I know before you asked if they were not releasing the footage, um, you know because they it was be a guilty admission or not not releasing it is essentially a guilty admission, and I certainly wouldn't go that far, but you know, continuing to build that anticipation and uh, leave those questions lingering for people is just just so much distrust. And we've seen that over and over in different police departments throughout the country over the last few years. Right. Right. And then and then there are other times where I can remember within the last 10 years, which NOPD has been using body cameras, I believe, for about 10 years since and since our consent decree went into um, effect. But I can remember times where they have released body camera footage of one of their uh, justified, what they will call justified shooting before people even knew there was a shooting because it was essentially so 
you know, obvious that it was self-defense. Like I, mm-hmm. I can remember one, I don't know if it was on Franklin or Elysian Fields where you can see a gun come out of a door and they shot the person dead. And, you know, you don't want to, uh, that, you know, that was someone's family member. I don't want to um, speak over here, but, you know, they released that video, the body camera footage that day. So it, it's certainly technically possible to process it that quickly is what I'm trying to say. I just wanted to also say that I truly, truly admire Mallory Keynes. Um, she's the brutally honest, okay? Brutally honest is the way that I can best describe her and very true to herself. Like she doesn't shy away from the facts about herself, about, you know, her son. I feel like she's very honest with who he was as a person and the lifestyle that he lived. I don't think that she shied away from that one bit. She is not trying to paint him out to be an angel or anything like that. She's Mm -hmm. truly talking about the broken system. It's unfortunate that her son had to be used to show that. But at the end of the day, that this is a larger part of a bigger system that all works congruently. And I think that one of the other things that I often think about when I recall the conversations that we've had with Mallory is prior to this incident even happening, she said that Calvin was just in court. He just was, you know, dealing with some other legal things. So that's one of the other questions that I have is if a week prior to the incident occurring that he was in court and there was a warrant or whatever, why wasn't that told then? Why wasn't he notified when he was literally in custody pretty much. And it's just it's just a lot of things within this that doesn't make any sense that I think makes this case very interesting. Nick, can I ask you for your opinion on, do you think filing, it, filing a, a wrongful death suit against JPSO will have a quicker result than advocating for releasing of body cam footage, which was a dead end, I guess? I think it's hard to say. I mean, I don't think that anything is going to happen really quickly in terms of a matter of, you know, days or even weeks, probably. Um, But I do think that probably through the course of that litigation, it will be released. In terms of the public records aspect of it, JPSO says they they turned over their investigation to the DA's office and the DA's office, you know, can now review it and um, decide whether or not they want to go ahead and press charges. The way it normally works, if if JPSO or another law enforcement agency, uh, usually they refer charges to the district attorney's office. They investigate, they make an arrest, you know, they determine probable cause that, that a crime has been committed and they refer those charges to the DA's office. And then the DA's office has a certain amount of time to make an, a decision whether or not to accept those charges or um, whether or not to refuse them. In this instance, JPSO didn't refer charges to the district attorney's office. They turned over an investigation and, and said, you take a look at this, we're completed with it, um, go ahead. If their investigation had found that they thought a crime had been committed by one of their deputies, they could have made an arrest and referred charges. They didn't do that. What that means is that the district attorney's office is going can sit with this investigation for as long as they want. Um, they don't need to make a decision in terms of charges in any specific time frame. But could currently could a civil lawsuit proceed 
yes, yes, she can still file a wrongful death suit and that that could proceed. But, you know, I think it's an interesting question and, and uh, per, you know, selfishly, I'm slightly disappointed that, that the public records lawsuit was was withdrawn because I think it's an open question whether or not that body camera footage, you know, is related to reasonably anticipated criminal litigation when the sheriff's office, it appears, has not suggested that it should be criminally charged. And the DA's office, you know, also, as far as I know, has not suggested that and could sit, potentially sit with this investigation indefinitely and not do anything. And conceivably, um, a civil lawsuit could proceed, could even settle, and we could never see the body cam footage. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I think that it's it will likely be turned over during the course of a wrongful death uh, suit and thus would, you know, possibly would be in the possession of, of Mallory Keynes and her lawyer and okay. they could you know, release it if they if they wanted to. So that is one possibility in terms of kind of the broader dissemination of, of the body cam footage. It could be potentially come out that way. Well, it's, you know, what's weird is like, it's been four months now, right? It's been four months. It'll be four months tomorrow since Calvin Kane was was shot by the JPSO deputies, right? JPSO has released body cam when it favored them. They've released it in one week. Hmm. This is foolish. This is so, it, and it's torturous for uh, um, a mom that's, wanting to understand what happened during her son's last minutes. It's really torturous. It's horrible. Do we know why JPSO was, what What was the matter that they were um, pursuing when they were out there in the first place? Well, the sheriff said that they had a warrant from Orleans that they were helping on. They were helping apprehend Keynes for that. And we don't know anything more about that. We're still reporting on that. But that's at least the stated reason. So we'll hear more about that, hopefully, in the future. All right. Thank you all for your insight on this. It's a troubling story. And I um, appreciate all your various viewpoints. You bet. All right. Thanks, Karen. Bye, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Karen. This is Behind the Lens, a podcast from The Lens, New Orleans' first nonprofit, nonpartisan public interest newsroom. I'm Carolyn Heldman. Thanks to our guests this week, criminal justice reporter Nick Crastle, education reporter Marta Jusen, photojournalist LaChance Perry, and managing editor Katie Rechtal. You can read all the week's other news plus opinions at our website, thelensnola.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>